Greetings, adventurer. Care for a story? One of mystery? Of mistaken identities? Or cliched generic friendship dialogue? If so, pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The RPG Show. My name is Brent, I'm your host, and if uh, you're new here, this is a show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. And with me today, I have Nick, I played the other stupid games, and I still don't know what the fuck's going on. Gantner, what's happening, brother? Uh, you know, just fumbling through, trying to figure out what the fuck's happening. Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, that's definitely a thing we'll talk about. But the game uh, we're reviewing today is uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, much to the uh, dismay of our Discord community. Uh, so get Probably, over it, uh, guys. People in general. I don't think people in general. I think there's uh, just as many fans out there as there are people that hate the game. So we'll see how we feel. We'll dive right into that. But what we do here is we take a game, we play it, and then we break it into a few categories and score it one through five. We have gameplay, story, visuals, music, overall experience, and replayability slash bonus content. And we do a lot of half scores because Nick fucked that up early on. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so Kingdom Hearts 2 originally released on the PS2 in 2005 in Japan, 2006. North America, uh, it, you know, it did came right on the like heels of the final mix version, um, or did the final mix come? Final mix came in 2014. My bad. Uh, no, of the first game. When did the final mix of the first game come out? Because I'm pretty sure they worked on that before two came out, didn't they? Oh yeah. shit! I should have had that in front of me. But uh, like, I'm pretty sure they finished Final well, Mix. I think we talked about Final Mix on the last uh, on Kingdom Hearts one, anyway. Yeah, where they came out and then it had some content. They used some stuff that was getting ready to come out in two in it. Um, for yeah, and they had the the stupid uh, cutscene thing. Yeah. All about the Roxas and Riku fighting in the that one town. That's right. That's right. Uh. Gosh. Maybe it's like Deep Dive or some shit was it called. I don't fucking know. I don't remember either. But, uh, I don't really care. Eh, me either. So, uh, yeah, that's we played the Final Mix version of this game, um, which was released in 2014. And then 
became part of a collection on the PS3 and PS4 later. Um, so, yeah, I guess without much further fucking about, we can get into gameplay. Uh, not a lot has changed here from Kingdom Hearts 1, but at the same time, a significant. it's hard to explain. Like, So the, the basics of it are kind of the same, where you have... Uh, you know, it's action, attack, attack, attack. You have things like jump and glide, but there's a bunch of other things tacked onto it. Uh, the pro- I think the biggest change in how uh, your characters progress and their effectiveness in combat is the new drive system, uh, and that is essentially uh, almost think like a like a third resource in addition to HP and, and mana, you now have this limit drive that fills up as you take damage, attack enemies, get drive orbs. There's lots of ways to fill this up. And um, when you get to a certain amount, you can activate additional forms of which there is, what, Valor, Wisdom, Master, Limits, Final, final Ante. Final and Ante. So there's six total forms. Um... Each of them specializes around a different thing. Valor's pure attack. Wisdom's your pure magic. Uh, limit is about you kind of. Uh, it's a callback to Kingdom Hearts One, where you use all your old. Yeah, you're using old reaction uh, commands. Yes, old reaction commands, correct? And Master's kind of like in the middle, um, kind of like a. It's kind of like the pinnacle of both valor and wisdom but it's not as good as what final form becomes because final form is just beast mode essentially and then there's anti-form which is uh sort of a negative thing that happens uh randomly when you activate your uh forms uh and in that form there's only so much you can do you can't like if you exit out of the form by exiting like a like a room or something you lose all of your drive um, bars you can only attack and I think each successful attack I don't know it's really it's really janky and you don't want it to happen uh, so which is kind of stupid like I don't think it was necessary at all this this anti form well it's it's like a punishment for abusing drive too much because the more you, every time you change you do drive forms depending on what form you get like I don't know the specifics because I don't have it in front of me but you get points added to your like anti form yeah. risk, I guess, transformation. And the more you, you do things without transforming, the more likely you are to transform the next time you do one. That, and that's when you all... do it, it, it all gets wiped out. I think final form does some wonky shit where... Yeah, it reduces it the counter. Too. So every yeah. time you activate final form, you push that counter of anti-form further back. Which is why I think it, it's ultimately kind of bullshit, because you don't really start... I don't think there's a need to abuse drive form until you're doing late game uh content and extra content really um when you're you're really trying to collect all the stuff and get glide and double jump all these things are are not even remotely necessary to progress through the core parts of the story i wouldn't say uh any of that is even remotely difficult until you get to um like the last two worlds where any of that is becomes remotely relevant 
um, especially seeing any of the more difficult boss fights, like you end up as Sora alone, which is an aspect of form, uh, forms we didn't discuss because one of your party members or both go away. You have to, you essentially are merging or consuming them or whatever, however you want to phrase that to um, activate that form. So if you're in a fight without them, you can't activate any of them except for like limit form, I believe, is the only one that doesn't require you to have party members. Yeah, I think so. So, um, I guess I get the punishment thing, but I don't find it necessary. Well, I think it's they did some f- bullshit because the only time really negatively affected me affected me was the first time I was fighting the Beauty and the Beast first boss. Yeah, the one that takes place in the ballroom thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when it happens to great. everybody for the first time, I think. Well, I, don't know. I was grinding out Valor form in Land of Dragons, and like I transformed. I was like, I had to do it like almost dead. I was almost dead, so I was like, fuck it, I'll go Valor form and finish him off. So I did it, and then I got turned into Anti Sora. I'm like, son of a bitch. And the guy just fucked me in the ass, and then King Mickey saved me. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess that was a nice thing that they added to the game. Yeah, the uh, the King Mickey saving you when you die is definitely, I think, an interesting mechanic, um, mostly because you don't get any warning about that's a thing that could happen and the way he plays is kind of just different i mean he's just kind of like zipping around crushing shit until you can reaction up the heel to get sora back up so it's one of those moments where you're like i will not give give up what oh shit what is this all right okay that's cool um but i do believe i read somewhere that's that's like a lot of the stuff in uh kingdom hearts 2 was sort of uh not primarily designed, but uh, a big consideration that went into a lot of things was the um, use of Mickey, because uh, Mickey was not very in Kingdom Hearts 1 at all, other than the fact that Donald and Goofy were after him, and then you sort of discover he's in this the darkness realm along with Riku at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, and I believe the big thing was, like, we got to use Mickey more in Kingdom Hearts 2, because he's the big iconic figure that you know, you pay Disney big money for is is yeah. Mickey Mouse. So um, they they wanted using more, which is I think is cool because I think it results in some of the um, better aspects of the game. Uh, like uh, like I actually really like Timeless River a lot. I think that's a cool uh, cool zone they did there. Um, I like the idea of King uh, him showing up to save you. Um, and then a lot of the story stuff with King Mickey, I felt was more uh, concise than than other other dialogue parts. Like uh, Mickey doesn't do a lot of the uh, the same level of like monologuing. I feel like everyone else does. Like yeah. King Mickey shows up, he gives you the answer. Like if you're like fuck, what did just somebody give me something? He'll show up, he'll give you the answer to whatever stupid, uh, you know weird vague thing that everybody's been you know struggling to figure out it's like okay all right then you know he 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 goes and does his thing so i think uh he's kind of used well here but um other things in gameplay summons make a return i think uh they're a little more useful in this one but not ultimately i only really ever use stitch um because stitch has a uh mechanic that uh, he just restores your MP and uh, so 
it, it when it came to grinding for uh, in-game stuff and trophies and bonus content, the ability to just run through an area and spam the fuck out of the thunder spell was immensely powerful. To to hit uh, final form and then just or have stitch up and then just run through and just smash smash thunder is a uh, pretty damn good. Um, oh, going back to that. Uh... The summons use the drive bar instead of the MP yeah, bar yeah, this yeah, time. What, yeah. And also, your MP bar is not a fixed number. It's a 0 to 100% type of thing. And if you burn it all, um, it'll take, uh, depending on what skills you have equipped, uh, like 30 seconds to kind of fill it back, self back up. And so you can't do any magic in that time. And that is why Stitch is so great, because it doesn't matter if your shit's run out or if it's you've, you cast one spell. More often than not, he's going to top the back up. So, um, with that sort of mechanic where your MP runs out, there's it, what do they call it? Where like you get like an MP burst for your last spell is more powerful um, because you're using that last bit of MP. I don't remember the exact explanation of it, but I do find it makes um, the use of magic more interesting as opposed to the first one because I felt like the first one. Um, you rely a lot on like having a steady supply of ethers and elixirs um, because you want to keep using magic or whatever if you want to keep using magic because you got to bring your MP back up. Um, here, I feel like um, it, it, it puts it more into your active rotation of things you're doing more frequently, not as, not as much as a, uh, a special one-off as it did in, in one, where one, it felt like you, you might open up or you have an opening and you just burn through your MP or do something like that. Um, here, since it will come back and it will come back to full, like it feels like you can, you can go through it. And then once you have certain, um, skills equipped, you can go about your normal stuff, maybe do a, a traditional sort of like combo, little knock up aerial attack combo thing. And then by the time you're done with that, your MP will be back and you can get into your next, um, magic rotation so you kind of do this magic physical magic physical thing um when you're not using your forms which i found uh, a little more compelling a little more active than the first one for sure also appreciated that even though cure took it required all of your remaining mp uh that's kind of the key word there remaining so you can pretty much use mm -hmm. almost all of your mp and then cast cure and it will have the same effect as it would if you just used it with a full bar yeah kind of annoying when you accidentally like use or have to use cure when you have a full mp bar but it's just you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes yeah and you can uh unlike the first game if you really do desire you can also hot key to those magic keys um your items so if if you're worried about it if you're only really going to use a certain amount of spells and you have a ton of say elixirs or something or it's integral to your strategy like i know some um sephiroth strategies are you want to be using a ton of elixirs because he has a hit that takes you down to one HP? So um, you can also hotkey those. Um, there, there's quality of life stuff changes that way. But I, I ultimately think all these changes lead to Kingdom Hearts 2 being easier than Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, and it kind of feels significantly easier than Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, I agree. There's also the fact that uh, Goofy and Donald don't die all the fuck time. Yes, um, fantastic. I don't know if there is there uh, can be as effective as you can uh, make them in one because one like the 
while they die more often, like their uptime is more impactful. Um, here, especially towards the end of the game where stuff becomes super powerful, I didn't feel like because they don't get a ton of skills. They don't they don't learn to do a bunch of things. They kind of do the same thing at the beginning and at the end. Like they're no longer a really you don't really customize them at all. You don't use your AP boosts on them. You don't do anything to them other than yeah. equip new equipment to them and learn new spells. Like, if you don't want to use any of your AP boosts on them, like, you're really choosing between, do I want to have a limit command with them or make them more, give them more damage or in terms of Goofy, like, a little more survivability or the thing where he, like, draws people together or does whatever his thing is. Uh, yeah, that's all I really used on him was Goofy Tornado, and then the yeah. rest of the shit I just have support, like uh, Lucky Lucky, Draw, whatever mm -hmm. I can yeah. to get all the crap. And I did notice that even if you, they have comparable strength ratings, uh, they won't do shit for damage no matter what the fuck they're doing. You no. can max, you could probably max out their strength, and they still won't do shit for damage. No, um, because in late game, I, I got all of their stuff done first, like got their ultimate weapon and their ultimate weapon pluses <laughs> all sorted of way before I started on Sora's stuff and I had dropped all the better uh, accessories on them because I wanted the additional Lucky Luckies uh, on Sora while I was doing all this farming. So they had all this tremendously boosted stats while Sora's kind of bogged down with all this Lucky Lucky and, and grinding bullshit and they're still not they weren't, no, they weren't doing anything for me other than just being there and being there for me to, you know, burn away to, to do a form or some shit. Like, uh, they, while they stay alive more, they're not even... The only thing that's nice is you can auto-reload items on them, which is a, a huge deal. Because like in the first one, if you gave them items and they used them, that slot's blank until you go back into the menu and put another fucking potion or high potion in them. Here, you can click the little auto-reload option, so when they use it, when you leave combat, it automatically fills that slot back with that item if you have any in stock. So about the only thing they're useful for is healing you with items. Well, they also keep enemies distracted until you get to them. They can, but... I, but that's also kind of a negative because sometimes you'd rather just have everything on your, your dick yeah, so you can kill it all at the same time. Because the way Sora builds up in this game, there's so much, like, area draw, attack whatever because like you get that that uh that gravity um finisher oh yeah towards mid late game and nothing was more frustrating when goofy's over there spinning around with the last two fuck nuts in a corner somewhere and i've killed everybody else in four blows because i got the stupid gravity ability you know what i'm saying like it was like eh. uh it became less useful as the game um went on definitely so there's ships are a lot better too the gummy ship, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, no, the gummy ship um, thing is completely redesigned. Instead of being, like, a straight behind you on um, on rails, this kind of felt more like a, like a almost like a bullet hell uh, shooter. Like, because there's projectiles coming from everywhere. It's more, way more chaotic, uh, way more visceral, and in my opinion, way more fun in that manner, too. Um Again, the, the necessity of playing it is about the same as Kingdom Hearts 1. You can really get through just about most missions um, with basic blueprints. Plus, that's a bonus. Just completing most areas unlocks more than sufficient blueprints for you to keep progressing through your normal modes on all of these um, 
missions, right? Because you get like the high wind models, the Falcon model, and then the, whatever the defense Invincible, model. I think. Invincible model. So you kind of can choose between the three based on um, what you did in, in, in combat there. But it's. I had a lot of fun with the gummy ship missions in this game. I don't know about you, but I spent. Uh, there were nights where I spent all my playtime just, just doing the farming the gummy mission stuff and I didn't feel like it was a waste of time because it was kind of fun it was a good distraction it's like a nice little arcade mini game um, situated right in the middle of uh, this action RPG so yeah and each one was kind of different like there, it was some of them you had to like destroy a big uh, boss type enemy some of them there the camera was spinning around all the fucking time mm-hmm. because you're getting attacked from behind you or then attacked from the side attacked from the front so it was and then uh, each uh, location you can have or you go to can have three uh, different mission types and they'll have yeah. different kind of uh, objectives that you have to do in them so and especially the, um, the X versions of the one and two missions are interesting because they have certain um, requirements on them like you have to have a certain number of weapon gummies or a certain speed like it makes it more interesting there's a lot you can really dive into if you are enjoy enjoying that particular thing uh, I know it draws a lot like gummy ships draw a lot of hate when you mention it but I think that's mostly people remembering and kind of conflating the gummy ship uh, in one um, because I have way less issues here. The they've much improved the uh, controls on configuring and building your own ship. It's not still not perfect, but still using two joysticks and that kind of like a controller to build something out of blocks in a 3D environment is. I can see where that would be challenging for a developer. Uh, it could still be improved, but it's way better than the first one. The first one is is almost unusable um so this is this is much much better um handled and so i don't think it deserves nearly the same hate as the first one did um, also the best thing is you yeah. can free free fly around the fucking overworld map as opposed to having to go from yeah point, point, to, point. to point and warp and whatever the fuck you can just go where the fuck you want which is nice yeah and you get this nice little you can hold down boost and be doing donuts in your ship it's pretty fun uh, just to just to stand there talk to somebody just kind of doing little donuts in your in your gummy ship so there is that um, what else they also got rid of uh, Atlantica essentially and just turned into a musical yeah there's um the mini game situation here is I feel like uh, th- there's a ton of mini games here uh, especially just in Twilight Town there's just mini games in every screen essentially. And then you also have the you have two mini game worlds this time as opposed to one because you have both Atlantica and a hundred acre wood. Atlantica is more um, reaction based. Like you're just as the song. It's almost like they tried to. It's make, a rhythm game. It's yeah. It's it's a rhythm game. It's almost like they tried to match it with like uh like almost like a, it's almost like a DDR kind of thing because you're trying to match things and I don't know. It's not great. Um. But it's also much better than the first Atlantica because I hated that with passion. So uh, at least there's that. Uh, what else? It's funny because they fixed the swimming, yeah, mechanics, but that you don't even get to fucking actually like use it in that world. So it's like, why'd you even bother? Yeah. But... So I yeah it it it's weird. I guess because they didn't have a story. I, I, I don't know. It's weird because they. Well, it's it, like they were going on the actual movie this time, as opposed to just kind of half. 
and it's the, the only it's the only world you revisit from Kingdom Hearts one that visits the movie story, because only other worlds you go to that um, visit movie story are worlds you had never been to before, like Mulan, Lion King, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Really, because all the ones you've been to before are kind of they're not even. Um, it's like, like they're halfway between their sequels and not. They're not even close to the sequels in some cases. Because like the well, story, like the Aladdin one references Return of Jafar, and then uh... yeah, but barely, barely in just the sense that uh, like Iago is duplicitous and Jafar comes back. Like it's well, Aladdin World wasn't that great in the first time around either. So maybe yeah. it's not the best example. Yeah, I mean because. Uh... It just feel it feels weird. I I mean, let's face it. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is kind of uh, bogged down a little bit with its Disney references. So um, teach their own, I guess. Uh, but uh, so I'm trying to think, it's it's other than you you know you get your it's your standard action RPG. There's a lot of platform. There's a lot of collecting. Collectathon stuff that I can't remember was in the original. Were the puzzle pieces? This no. is okay. That's what I, I, I. It had to be because like me and Brittany were. She was like, no, I think I'm, I'm like I do not remember going through all this garbage to get these fucking puzzle pieces. Okay, not that I have a problem per se with that. That that uh, it just felt. Um, I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. It just felt tacked on to me. And something, oh, let's throw some extra shit in here. Like, I don't think I needed to, I don't think I needed to do the actual puzzle portion of it. Like, if it was just you, you got the pieces and then they showed up and you slowly revealed an image and when the image was done, like, you got a reward or something, like, was fine. But the actual having to go through and, like, rotate and put the piece where, I didn't think that was necessary. Um, Uh, If you like puzzles, it's not too bad. Like, I don't, I didn't mind doing it. Yeah, I mean it's not that but, I might I mean, do, but it. I can see where it's it's just extra extra shit for you to do. Yeah, I definitely um, understand that. There's a lot it of it serves no real purpose. Uh, the synthesis system is different. Uh, in that the first one is like you basically found recipes and you just made it, but here you yeah, have five the... recipes. You're given like seven or whatever, and then you made half of them oh yeah yeah, like, yeah. Like, you leveled up and then you up. unlock them yeah yeah and then unlock the next recipes so uh you do find some recipes here um most of them are also found it's, it's kind of like mostly recipes i don't know how I, if i would say mostly probably about half and half because you also have free creations you have the stuff you unlock just by leveling up your um moogle level but you also have these uh secondary uh, materials like so you have uh energy serenity and uh bright yes so one of them ranks up what you're making to a higher version of it so if it's a potion it could be a, it's a high potion or whatever i don't know if that's exactly right in this example but like uh so you make a higher version of it one of it cuts the cost of the recipe in half and the other one increases your experience gain gain for making the item so um there are a fuck ton of items to be made uh 
in this game, especially with the addition of the um, the memory absent silhouette stuff, or not the absent silhouette stuff, but the uh, finding the replicate data of all the ex uh, Organization Thirteen folk um, and the absent silhouettes. Because when you beat them, a lot of the time you get a recipe to create an item that's reminiscent of that character. So like there's like a so the guy's got the big like weird axe thing that looks almost like the sword from Xenoblade Chronicles. That dude, when you beat him, that essentially gets you a recipe for a staff on Donald that looks just like that. It's almost entirely unusable because it's just massive strength and doesn't give him any magic. Uh, go figure. Um, and then one of them gives a shield for Donald, and then there's a bunch of accessories that are goofy. That's what I meant, goofy. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, so I mean, there's a ton of ton of synthesis. Like, so if you're into crafting, like, there's that. Um, but yeah. So what are some things here in gameplay that didn't necessarily work for you, Nick? Um, I guess I would say that sometimes combat is too flashy, mm-hmm. where there's so many effects happening on the screen, it's hard to tell what the fuck's going on, and you get like knocked sideways by some random enemy that you can't see because Sora is spinning his fucking sword 300, 720 fucking degrees around his body, and there's like light flashes and shit going off, and then enemies are doing shit. And so sometimes I like I took a hit I wasn't prepared for because I didn't I couldn't see where it was coming from. Yeah, um, I agree with that one hundred percent. There's so many like chains and offshoots and like the animations are all over the place there's a lot that's happening in like sequence right and the same goes with the enemy so there's just a lot of you get interrupted and you don't immediately know why what happened would you get hit with and what you did wrong essentially like uh it's it's not um conducive in that manner to to be paying attention and then realize precisely what you did wrong where did you miss something where did you where was the block because especially in a lot of the boss animations they can be so long or be so involved there's only like a certain period in the animation they can be interrupted or blocked it's um yeah this it's it's overly flashy is a good way to put that i appreciate you 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 putting that into words for me because i couldn't really put my hand on that that's what i'm here for sometimes besides plot that's, so that's, you know. that's the only thing you're here for. <laughs> um, I also kind of, it, it's not like it's a really bad thing, but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And this is kind of a mix between gameplay and plot. But uh, in the first game of Hearts, you had kind of a reason, sort of, to go to all the different worlds because you're looking for, well, the same fucking same fucking reason. You're yeah. looking for Riku and Kyrie. First one, you look for Riku and Kyrie in this one. Uh, except when you go to a world in the first one, you're essentially done. Yeah, like you you solved all the world's problems and then you go on to the next one. In this one, you kind of show up. You're like, oh, there's some things happening here. You kind of sort of fix things, but not really. And then you leave. You go to the next planet or world, whatever. You kind of fix things there and you keep moving on. Well, and... it's it is because they kind of give you a plot reason, right? Because like the okay, first one, look... the first time you go through, you're just dealing with more heartless stuff again. Like it's like what I'm looking for Riku and Kyrie again. And I'm combating heartless problems again. And then when you go back, it's like now 
Now Organization 13 has become involved, and in most cases, they've managed to bring the Heartless that you defeated the first time back again. Like, it, it is very repeat, like a lot of repetition, like a ton of it. Well, my issue is sort of like there's some locations where you're, there's organization 13 members there and everybody just kind of says, oh, well, we'll fucking whatever. And you continue on and you come back and then su- surprise, the organization 13 dudes fuck shit up. Yeah, that's true. When In the first game, they would have handled the fucking problem first go around. But whatever, they got to pad the game play out some some way, I guess. Give us more yeah. worlds or make the world bigger. Like the, there are solutions to that. I guess because it's weird because they show you how long you spent on each world as well. Yeah, and like some places, I like the first go around, it's like forty minutes, and then I left, and it's like an hour total. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't spend any time there. What the hell? Yeah. But uh, whatever. I guess you can speed run the first one pretty fucking fast. I think you can beat it in like if you're not abusing shit, you can beat it in like twelve hours. So I guess this one's got that going for it. You have to spend more than twelve hours to beat the game. So. Yeah, um as far as stuff that I didn't care I didn't care for um so the mindless nature that of of the game once you become powerful enough like is all well and good. Like I don't necessarily find it as an is a negative cuz sometimes it is good just to kind of be able to roll through somewhere and mash X and just wreck face. But at the same time, um, I find that the uh, reaction command nature of, or, or the cinematic nature of some of the boss fights in Kingdom Hearts 2 is a letdown as opposed to the first one. Because I feel like the first one, you have to active, like, there's less just wait for the right time to hit triangle in the first one. This one, it just feels like a lot of the boss fights revolve down to dodge, 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 wait for the right time to hit triangle. Yeah, and that's not interesting or compelling. I don't think um, it's cool to watch and look at, but when it comes to just uh, playing a game, especially one that I go into excited for the boss battles, because uh, again, the first one had these phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal boss battles, right? Where you have to pay attention. There's a lot going on, and it's it's just kind of this cool interactive experience here. It, it wasn't any of that and uh, I don't know if that has to do with Sora being more like more super saiyan in this in this version of the game where he spends 90% of his time in the air so there's not less like jumping on things backs and moving around it's more uh, it's less of that than the first one I, I don't know what it is that makes them f- less interesting but to me it felt like there was a lot of just waiting for triangles did you feel like you were doing the same? Um, yeah, the ones that stand out to me are the the last guy in the Pride Lands, where he's like that big fucking. But that was sugar. that was a cool ass fight. I will give it that. That was a cool yeah. fight. But um, it was uh, like you start off and it's it's you don't control Simba or sorry Sora at all. It's he's running by himself and he just got to press triangle to jump up over the uh, things fucking legs jumping on the ground and then you get on the front of it and you mash triangle really fast mm-hmm. to push his paw away, then you hit his head, then you, you can move around at that point. Uh, but I started it, I'm like, what the fuck's happening? Because he's not moving in the direction I want him to move. Oh, it's cinematic thing. Yeah. Got it. And also uh, fighting Zaldan at the 
Beast's one? Castle. Which one is Zola? Uh, oh, that's... Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where he's flying around the dragon, that guy? Yeah, that guy was bullshit, sort mm-hmm. of, because, like, he's... He did some strong as shit stuff, but all you really have to do is jump the whole time, and then yep. you can press triangle to. You basically learn stock up, stock up the learn stack until he starts doing stuff, and then you just smash it until. Yeah, he can't able. do nothing. You fucking hit him, and he's in the air doing backflips, and you're just jumping on his ass nine times yeah. in a row. You knock out four bars of health, and it's like, okay, well, let me just run away from him again until he's doing. That's some um, shit. that's the fun fact about that fight. That's the only fact that uh, fight that I died a bunch to. Me like, too. I died to that boss like a bunch of times. I was getting super frustrated. And every other fight, uh, if I died, I died once. And then I came back and did it. Like, it's bad. Like, when your most interesting fights in the entire game, and I, I feel like this is very true, like, uh, even I did all the Organization 13 fights, like the Absinthe and then the Replicant versions of those fights. Sephiroth, I did them fucking all. Um, Fuck Lingering Will, I never beat that dude. Fuck that fight. Um, But, uh... Like, Pete is the most interesting boss fight. Like, the two or three times you fight Pete, those are always the most interesting. Because that's all about, like, timing and, like, hitting something back at him. And it feels more like a boss fight from the first game than the cinematic stuff that happens here. The, now, those fights are cool to watch, but you're not doing a whole lot interesting. Even the last boss fight, like your final fights with with uh, Xenohort, they're cool, but they're ultimately super cinematic. You spend a lot of time just kind of like attack a chain as fast as you can and then run away or dodge until it's time to do another reaction. Reaction, interrupt, stun, so you can smash through a chain as fast as you can again and then sort of you repeat that cycle. Um, speaking of Pride Lands, though, to bring us just back for a second, then I'll toss it back to you. Kudos to Pride Lands, because in the first one, when they made you something that wasn't just a human standing there, they fucking took away all of your abilities. Yeah. At least here, you lose your drive form, but everything else is the same. He uses a fucking playable character. All he does is carry the keyblade in his mouth. Thank you, Fucking Pride Lands for not being Atlantica because it could have been. I actually kind of preferred it because you could run really fucking fast. Oh no, it was great. Like that you was had, cool. it was really good movement. It flowed really nice. The only thing I was, I missed was like we could level up since you don't have drive form. All the stuff you got from level up drive form doesn't transfer over. Yeah. But you don't really need it. No. Because because the his his attacks are so swift and fast in in lion form, it's not. There's nothing difficult to do in the Pride Lands. Yeah, um, it's fun, but not difficult. No, um, and, and kind of going back to your uh, yeah. boss battle thing with the uh, mechanics, like even when they try to put mechanics into a boss battle, like with Hades, it's waiting for Herc to summon Aura Spheres. You hit one at Hades to change him from red form to blue form. You wail on him for a couple of hits, and you run away, and you just do it all over again. So a lot of that. What's something else you got? I don't know. This, uh, the train's kind of ruining my, my train of thought. Ha! Ha! Fucking. God damn. Is it done then? Oh, train of thought. Holy shit. That was too funny. Okay. Um. So, that's basically it. Like, I think you're, uh... 
your phrasing like fun but easy uh, surmises uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 for me it it's not I don't think it's very interesting like I think while you look at what they add right from Kingdom Hearts 1 you're like that seems like a much um, more robust game on paper right like if you jot down all the improvements and all these sort of things you're like oh yeah that definitely it's got to be uh, a better game to play and I don't know if I agree. I think I had more fun playing Kingdom Hearts 1 because of the inherent challenge there and sort of the, the more simplified version of the system just came across better because you're not getting overly flashy with it. Here, they go for a more cinematic thing. They have something they want to show you. They want to make this cool and all this other stuff. And it, I think it detracts like uh, a little bit. While the idea of the forms is cool it sort of takes away like forms become like the idea is cool like you're going super saiyan or whatever but then you're just smashing like one maybe two buttons that's all you're doing like it's it's not even uh i think it's one of the forms maybe a valid form your your dodge button square becomes an attack button Mm -hmm. so it's it's like that's all they want you to do just fucking mash x Mm mm-hmm so um, that's where it's at for me. I mean, if I were gonna, if I'm gonna rate it, give it a score. Um, I'm gonna give gameplay. Man, it's like I'm teetering between a three and a half and a four. Like, it's not definitely not a four and a half or a five. Uh, well, what I think a, three what and a half feels kind of like. I played this time on. I forget what they're called, but it's like the middle one. Like I didn't go straight to. I didn't go pride or, or proud no, mode or critical. I didn't go proud because, like, I think the bonus stuff they give you it all kind of balances out. Like I don't because I've played this on proud mode before or critical mode, and I don't remember it being more challenging because they don't. It's not like the first one where they add a bunch of extra mechanics to the boss. Like they just alter percentages, like the amount of damage you take and give is all it really does. They also makes it so your your max health is like sixty or some shit. Again, I don't see where that fucking matters because you can grind out any any amount of difficulty in this game. So, but yeah, I played it on whatever the middle tier is, um, and I mean it's fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, and I don't th- I think people are overly critical on the gameplay being lame. I just don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's great. I mean, it's good what it does. It just misses misses a mark for me somewhere. So I think I'm gonna give it a three and a half, man. Fair enough. Where you at? Well, I played on critical mode, and uh, kind of like what I said, fun but easy. And I'm gonna give it a four and a half because the flash, the the sheer flashiness of it, uh, it hinders it more than it helps. Okay. There's enough uh, added things to the gameplay. But you just kind of played through the story, right? Like, you didn't go and do all the stuff? Well, not yet. Okay, because I went but I did... can't imagine it's going to be <laughs> I much guess... less impactful because it's just going to be boss fights, essentially. I guess. I don't know. I guess that's where... I don't know. I guess that's where my disappointment came in. Like, it wasn't It wasn't as fun to do that stuff. I don't know. Maybe, th- maybe that should affect my score later on, then. And my gameplay should be higher because the core of what it does outside of its content 
I mean, that's my. I would. It sounds like you're you're detracting from overall experience. Yeah, I guess that's fine. I guess that's fair. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe I should leave that, see that for later on. Like I'm gonna give. I guess I'll give it a four then for gameplay. Four for me. Four and a half from you. Because I think I think I think it's uh, balanced at what it does. Um, our first musical break is mine. Uh, our composer here is Yoko Shimomura again. Uh, excellent, amazing, best. But uh, it's it's just that um, there's a lot of stuff going on in this this OST, and we'll talk about that later. But I for both of mine I picked uh, themes. There's a lot of themes here. There's not so much like this is a battle, like there's themes around characters and stuff like that. So uh, my first one is Sora's theme. It's kind of a, again, it's all, it's really reflective of Sora. It's, it's driving. It's almost, uh, it's almost like a battle kind of battle theme almost with drums and a lot of, uh, marching at it kind of thing. Uh, but I do like it. I enjoy it. We're going to listen to that. When we come back, we will talk about story. Oh boy, I think somebody's on. Oh shit. <laughs> Source team. Um, let's move on to story. So Nick, why don't you take it away here, um, and we'll sort of dissect this behemoth um, at the end. Just kind of give us a synopsis. All right. Um, essentially, this takes place a year after Chain of Memories, and you start the game off as Roxas, and he's living his life. Uh, summer vacations going on in Twilight Town, and what have you. Uh, there's some weird shit going on where the concept of pictures is being has been stolen. Um, Roxas' his friends kind of do some little crime solving, figure out, uh, find the stolen pictures and all this crap, and they all, uh, everything that was stolen had Roxas in it. And so they kind of think, oh boy, what's special about Roxas? Uh, come to find out, uh, this whole experience has been a digital simulation concocted by Diz, uh, who we were inter- introduced to in Chain of Memories, and Roxas is kind of there uh, to be eventually put back into Sora because Sora can't recover his memories because most of them are stuck in Roxas, and so Nominee's got to put it all back together and whatever. Eventually. Roxas is he's like he's fighting against it, then he just says, uh, well I gotta do it because Sora's gotta be put back together, he's gotta be made whole, whatever. 
So like he does. has this inherent understanding that he has to become one with Sora again, or for whatever reason. Yeah, and uh, so Sora gets returned to, to his complete self. Doesn't remember shit about what happened the last year. Neither do Goofy and Donald, who are also put to sleep for to get their memories back. And uh, so you're in Twilight Town, the real, the real Twilight Town, um, and kind of piddle around there. Uh, you find out that Mickey's in town, so you go see him. You get sent to this uh, magical Disney World train, and you get sent to I can't remember the dude's name. Yeah, uh, Sid. In Sid, who uh, what what movie is he from? Uh, he's the is it Fantasia. Uh, Fanta- yeah, he's the the mage in Fantasia, the or Sorcerer's Apprentice or whatever that movie's called. But the short that Mickey's in is okay. called Sorcerer's Apprentice, and he's essentially the sorcerer that Mickey's apprentice to when he makes the brooms dance and do the whole thing. Got it. Uh, so y'all, everybody goes there. He kind of says uh, something like, "Your journey's not actually over because there's all these things you got to do. Read this book; it explains the whole thing about the war and all kinds of weird shit." And sort of gets new clothes because the ones he's wearing are like. Is this when we find out what a nobody is? Uh, I believe so because. Does he explain what a nobody is. Because like you're fighting dusks, uh, which are. The weakest nobodies, yeah, and nobody knows what the hell they are, and he's kind of like, oh yeah, well they're what happens when somebody's made heartless. They're nobodies, also created. Well, and... like a nobody is inherently more powerful because like a nobody comes is it comes into existence when it's somebody with a uh, like a more powerful like will, I guess. Uh, like be like if a person with a more powerful will becomes a heartless not only do they produce a more powerful heartless but they also produce a nobody well isn't dark uh, heartless based on darkness in your heart the more yeah, darkness so you like, have the more so like when so a heartless is like your heart like manifest which I, we should say like heart the concept of heart your heart in kingdom hearts is more like your soul i would assume like it feels like it's not they don't mean like it's just kind of like your soul. I think a soul would have been a better word to use, but it doesn't have the same ring to it, I guess, as all the hearts. Yeah. But, like, essentially when your soul becomes made darkness, it becomes its own physical manifestation. Like, it becomes separate of you and becomes a heartless. And what's left behind, if you were a person of strong enough will, becomes a nobody. If not, then your body just off into... Nothing. Well, no, because even if you don't, if you have a strong will, you become a nobody with inherent. Okay, maybe that's what it is. Maybe like that's willpower. A, maybe, maybe maybe that's. Whereas what it is. otherwise, you just become. It's kind of like the heartless thing, where yeah. you, you have strong darkness, you become strong heartless. You you still retains memories, presumably, or whatever control power, like power over yourself. Whereas the nobodies uh, either become some weak ass little punk nobody, or you become. A member of Organization Thirteen, essentially. Okay. Uh, but moving on, uh, you get new duds. Uh, you kind of have to get you get sent back on a new adventure. Um, your, your first stop is Hollow Bastion, where you kind of meet up with the old Final Fantasy gang: Leon, Yuffie, Aerith. Essentially, the the crew from Twilight Town. They've now moved to Hollow Bastion. Now that you've 
killed uh, Ansem's heart, Heartless at Hollow Bastion. And they're trying to yep. reclaim that because that was their original world or whatever. That they had forgotten the name to. Sounds about right. Because that's, um, that's why it becomes Radiant Garden later, if you didn't catch that two lines of dialogue like I did. Well, not everybody was as observant as you, Brent, I guess. Oh, no, I missed it. I was like, why the fuck is this called Radiant Garden now? And I had to look it up. Um, yeah, so you kind of you go there, you become part of like the Restoration Committee because they're trying to rebuild the place. Um, you find Riku and Kairi aren't there, neither is the king, so you, you go off, search another fucking lands, kind of like the first one. Uh, and essentially you kind of go through... Mulan land, Beauty and the Beast land, now, Olympus, and my my like, I don't remember this. And I don't know if it's just kind of explained away in one line or whatever. But my impression at the end of Kingdom Hearts One is everything we did at the King end of Kingdom Hearts One was closing the doorways between worlds. Like it should have separated all the worlds, but that's because that's why. Like, everybody was sad at the one part because they'd never see each other because they were going to close off the walls between these worlds. And then I think, I want to say now, they, they just kind of explained away, like, where there's a need, the worlds will form a way. Is that what garbage they, they threw at us is the reason we can now traverse between worlds again? Um, I think it was something like something like that. And there, there'll be, there's new keyholes always being, or new doors always being formed and you just got to find the right object. Like, so, cause every world you go to, like you do something and then something correlating with one of the characters yeah. starts shining and your keyblade shines and you do this fucking cutscene thing every fucking time with the, the keyblade crown in the middle of the fucking ground. And sort of does the fucking sword thing with keyblade and bam unlocks a new it was more interesting path. when it was a physical thing in each world yeah so it's, i guess now it's more like a metaphysical, metaphysical kind thing. of thing like uh, it's weird yeah. it's symbolism you unlocked a, a pathway whatever um yeah so you essentially just kind of go through all the worlds looking for riku and kairi uh you end up going back to hollow bastion and surprise surprise king mickey shows up because Everybody's trying to research Organization 13 because they become such a pain in the ass. Uh, but the whole fuck, whole fuck, this whole during this whole cutscene, King Mickey's like, "Shh, stop saying I'm fucking King Mickey." And then every word out of fucking everybody's mouth is, "So oh, Your Majesty, King Mickey," and he's like, "Shh, shh." You see that like twenty fucking times. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like I got the joke the first fucking time. I really, whatever. Moving on. Uh. There's uh, Ansem, the wisest computer system he access in Restory Meet Tron. And there's a, a main control program or master control program fucking some shit yeah, up in there. It's, it, they basically retcon all of all of like Tron Tron story to be like uh, essentially the everything is how Ansem and Xenohort fucked around with the database and all of Ansem's research or whatever in this computer thing yeah. yeah um so yeah yeah you figure that out and then you uh or i guess on a, a quest to go s stop organization 13 so you have to go back to every world again oh but before this uh i think maleficent tries to attack 
Uh, yeah, Hollow she, Bastion? Uh, uh, Maleficent, it gets resurrected, by the way. She gets um comes back. Maleficent, oh, yeah, because of Pete. Maleficent, who really thinks she's the protagonist of Kingdom Hearts. Like, Jesus. Or the antagonist she, yeah, she's of Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts. Hearts. Yeah. She even does the thing. So oh, the thing with Maleficent that blows my mind, like I, the reason I find her so in t- incredibly like unnecessary is she even shows up like at the end in the world that never was because she now wants to to take the world that never was for her own since the nobodies or whatever since she wants it as her own for whatever reason. I guess it's proximity to Kingdom Hearts. Who fucking knows. So she shows up and she there's this whole scene where she's like uh there's like these waves and waves of nobodies and uh like Sora's like we can't progress if we got to sit here and fight all these guys and then she shows up and she's like now we're still enemies but this is place is mine when we're all done and her evil like I was so Well that's contrived. the second time she does that. She does it the first time at Hall Bastion so where contrived. uh Sice Sice her fucking Brian's yeah. name I can't remember. Like he's like, oh, you gotta he he exposes the plot of the big the big old nasty plot of Organization Thirteen, which is they're trying to make Sora kill all the Heartless to release Hearts so they can put it in the Kingdom Hearts and take Kingdom Hearts and get Hearts for themselves to be so, complete. The way I understand this is when Kingdom uh, when Sora defeats a Heartless, it sort of purifies that soul. And that soul then gets put into Kingdom Hearts, which is essentially, like, we'll just call it heaven for all intents and purposes. And so now Organization Organization 13 wants to take this, uh, all the power of heaven to remake themselves whole again. Because they don't, they're these emotionless things, even though for some reason Roxas and, like, Axel, like, there's plenty of these people that have emotions so I don't really understand that um, in its entirety. But uh, they want their heart back, hearts back, so they're going to drain all the power from uh, Kingdom Hearts um, to become whole again. And the only way there's enough power in Kingdom Hearts to do that is if Sora just goes around slaughtering every Heartless that exists. So, like, uh, they, they want Sora like to do these things but i guess they're also okay with somebody like getting the keyblade and doing it if it's not sora because i think that's what they were using roxas for before roxas figured out like that he shouldn't be doing this yeah well because it doesn't matter to them like sora is just a tool because he's just the one that can unlock the hearts. If you kill a heartless any other way, I don't think the heart gets sent up. It doesn't get purified. Yeah, I think it's so... it's I think it's Sora's specific keyblade because there's apparently a ton of different keyblades. Well, that's also why Roxas worked because he was part Sora. Yeah, he could summon this the this keyblade. I don't think we've learned the name of this keyblade as of yet. They call it the keyblade, but. It's yeah. pretty apparent um, that there's more than one, uh, and because I, I guess mean, we learned that in like Birth by Sleep or some shit. Who knows? Well, I mean, we learned it in one because Mickey has one. If it's well, the no, no, I meant like what the name of the, the Keyblade, what yeah. specifically it is. because yeah, like Mickey's got the Darkness Keyblade uh, or a a Darkness Keyblade. Riku had like a Heart Keyblade or some shit. The the Keyblade of Keyblade of People's Hearts or something. Is like is, three is, types. Is, is, is 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 Sora's like the Keyblade of Light? Maybe. 
but there's like a million different types. So you can have, this is just off of a vague kind of read I think I did a couple years back, but I think there's generally, like there's three types. There's like one of hearts, one of worlds, and then one of like uh, fucking something else. So uh, we'll, I, we'll learn it. I guess we'll game, figure that out in, in Birth by Sleep, I fucking hope. Unless that's maybe unless that's part of the uh, dream drop distance or uh, what was it the uh, Keyblade X I don't know there was oh, an yeah. X something BBS two I don't fucking know Nick I don't fucking know oh no either man um, but yeah so essentially uh, Organization thirteen kind of splits up to all the different worlds and tries to they they do they fucking try to pull the same shit that the antagonist in Kingdom Hearts one were trying to do by making all these people with strong hearts evil, so they can make them heartless. It's essentially what they're doing in this because they try to because that's the only way these. I guess to make that heart go to Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, well, the, the, I guess the, the the more pure the soul or powerful the soul, or whatever. If you can turn it dark, it'd be that much powerful, more powerful when it gets released. And sent the Kingdom Hearts, like so, it's that much more energy going up there. God, I don't fucking know. But uh, you kill, you stop all the plans, uh, and you go back to Hollow Bastion. Um, you put around there again. Uh, fuck, <clears throat> I remember this part. I don't. So I don't remember exactly because I, I I think uh, there's it's like a big battle thing. I don't remember exactly what happens up until the point in which Axel sacrifices himself to open the gateway for you to go to the world that never was, and that's when uh, Sora and Co. finally again at the end of the game catch up with uh, Kyrie and Riku. Riku looks like Ansem and has been this tall, the tall hooded figure that's been helping out uh, Diz because of uh, Riku's uh, connection with Ansem's Heartless due to the first one, and he sort of embraced that through the events of uh, Chain of Memories. Chain of Memories and uh, what was the other one? Three three fifty eight over two. Three sixty five over two. Whatever, oh, yeah. whatever it is. That one. Um, so he he since he embraced the darkness fully in an attempt to assist Sora in his recovery, he's now looks like Ansem, and uh, everybody now understands the plot. Diz reveals himself to be the actual Ansem and not Xenohort, who is uh, it was apprentice. Ansem was his apprentice and wanted to go deeper into this whole heartless kingdom hearts thing when ansem said whoa we're getting into some dark shit let's back up well, also having it the ansoms that we fight are not actually ansoms they're zehanort's heartless and nobody yes yes yeah, so the so the one we fight in this which is uh Zemnus, is is xenohort's nobody the ansom we fight in kingdom hearts one is xenohort's heartless okay so, all the evil Ansem shit is technically Xenohort, which is a terrible name, and uh, his he's heartless like, and his nobody. He's, te- he's also technically somebody else from Birth by Sleep too. That's why he looks the way he does. But because they well, say like in a cutscene they found him with amnesia, and 
that's the only reason that he was allowed to work in uh, Radiant Garden with Ansem. Yeah, because he definitely looks like... His name is Xenohort in Birth by Sleep. But he's like... So if you see the images of like the bald like Emperor Palpatine-looking motherfucker, that's Xenohort in Birth by Sleep. If you've seen any of the imagery from the game and there's like the dude that's all... You know. Whatever. Obviously yeah. evil-looking. Like, why anybody ever trusts anybody that looks like that, I don't fucking know. But it's like, oh, the the skinny white dude that looks like he was murdering, like, children in his sleep turns out to be a traitor? Fucking no way! But, uh... Shocking. Like, or, like, any... <laughs> like, any Japanese video game RPG where it's, like, the, do- the dude with the long, white, silverish hair and bad attitude turns out to be a... a a villain? Oh, no! Like, just stop trusting people that look like that. Come on, give me a break. Um, but yeah, so uh, Diz or Ansem, good Ansem, makes this device that he intends to drain power out of uh, Kingdom Hearts and disperse it naturally back into the world um, the way it's intended to. And uh, but that machine backfires or overloads and explodes, and that releasing of power somehow makes Riku turn back into normal. But that's all it really accomplishes, other than uh, I guess now Zemnus is keyed into the fact that they're in the tower and they're going to come stop him. So then you fight your way through the remainder of Organization Thirteen on your way to um, battle. Uh, Zemnus, and then in this big climactic battle with Zemnus, it's basically just you and Riku, uh, Sora and Riku fighting, which is, is again is cinematic for its most part. The uh, the first battle with uh, Zemnus, like at the base of the tower, like you get sent back and you're fighting him, kind of like up and down the wall of the tower, the skyscraper itself is a little more difficult, um, less cinematic so than the actual final final fights um, with Zemnus are but they're kind of really cool they're really big grand scope stuff like you're jumping from ship to ship and he's like bending the world and throwing he's essentially throwing skyscrapers at you at one point uh and uh like the i think the most the the coolest part about it is uh that both riku and sora get these moments to save each other Right, like there becomes a point where Sora becomes taken out and he's knocked out, and you have to take over as Riku and interrupt uh, Zemnus's spell in order to get Sora back. And then Sora has to go through a point where he's he's saving Riku. So, um, as far as story and plot is concerned, that's interesting. Like that's a fun thing to do there. It, it feels gratifying and sort of this this cool epic sort of finality, uh, final showdown kind of thing. Um, and you do all that. Um, and then that's basically you basically you beat him and you get sent back to um as the world that never was is kind of crumbling or sort of condensing in on itself or imploding or whatever the deal is um because of course you fought the last guy, so now the structure of the universe must come apart um nominee sort of steps in and helps you guys get off-world back to Destiny Isles, roll credits, and then after credits you get a little post credit scene where um, they all get a summons from Mickey, 
and um, then you, if you did the, you got the quote unquote good ending, you get essentially the cinematic trailer for Birth by Sleep, and unlock uh, Lingering Will, which is essentially uh, a character from Birth by Sleep, one of the playable characters from Birth by Sleep, Tara. So that's basically that's about it. That's that's about it. Like in that's that's us sort of breaking it down when you're presented to it kind of like uh going off what we remember too because it's a lot of information it's probably best like reading for yourself an explanation of what the fuck's going on i will tell you this and this is i think why kingdom hearts 2 makes me mad just personally because the way it presents to you any and all of this information is fucked it's so fucked like it does fill in all the gaps for missing uh, Chain of Memories and 3-whatever. Like, it fills in most of those gaps with information in the game. But the way it's presented, and the order it's presented, and... Because you'll find out information for shit, like, at hour 50, that was confusing the fuck out of you at hour 6. Like, I don't think it works because you spend so long confused that you just dismiss it wholeheartedly. You go, fuck, if I don't get it, I'm just going to keep going. And by the time they give you the information, you've done blocked out of your mind whatever stupid shit you were doing earlier because you didn't understand what you were doing. You get what I'm saying? Like, like they give you a piece of information late in the game and you're like, what the fuck does that matter? Until, like, you go read a synopsis or something, you're like, oh, is that what they were trying to explain to me? Because they did do a very good job of that. Like, I feel like my understanding of the plot of this game comes from beating it so as many times as I have. And since, like, having to take outside sources and figure out the story of Kingdom Hearts as a whole. Like, I don't think this game does a particularly good job of telling you a plot. Whether the plot there is good or not is secondary to the fact that they don't, I don't think they do a very good job of presenting it at all. Well, it's the same way as uh, they did in Kingdom Hearts 1, where they fucking backload all the relevant information. Except they do. This one, they kind of space out a little bit, they kind of give you a little bit more towards the middle when you have to go back to Hollow Bastion and meet King Mickey and go into the the Tron world and whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's still not enough. It's still like there's. I don't think that. Like, but see, here's my. Like I don't think. I think even a good appetizer. I don't think it matters in Kingdom Hearts One because they're building all this new stuff, right? Yeah. Like, so it's all doesn't matter because there's not a lot of confusion. There's this game start. You start off with a whole other character that you play for uh, an hour and a half with no explanation of where Sora is, what's going on, and you get Sora back. You still don't get really any solid answers. You get some. You, you get this idea that he's been in hibernation to restore his memories. So, and again, if you play Chain of Memories, you understand why that is, and you sort of, you understand this. But, again, that's another, that's a spinoff game that doesn't have a, a number in the title, and it's not on the same uh, platform. So, first off, bullshit. But, needless to say, we're just moving on. It just you were left without you're just like what the fuck is happening like why would anybody pick up kingdom hearts one in a store go play it want to say oh okay there's there's a kingdom hearts 2 there's nothing it's like why would they ever think oh let me go check the gba shelf or the psp shelf to make sure i'm i understand 
between one and two. I think it was uh, DS for 365 or whatever. Two. <laughs> whatever. No, actually, no, I, it's a PSP game. I think the other stuff is DS, though. Like uh, Birth by Sleep. Maybe. Was DS. Or Birth by Sleep is PSP, yeah. and the Dream Drop Distance is 3DS? Uh, yeah, so 358 over 2 is DS. BBS, Birth by Sleep is PSP. I think Reco- Recoded is DS, and Dream Bob, th- Dream Bob Distance is 3DS. So shit's it all over the, the, the fucking place. It's all over the place, and that's the problem. And it doesn't then concisely... Because if any other... I think I would credit most other franchises, if they're going to do some shit like this, give you spinoff games to play on other consoles, they would concisely inform you of what you missed in the next series like big like numbered title within a brief amount of period brief time like they do not sort of give you that Roxas is Sora's nobody until I think it's not till the world it never was until you fight him again when you fight Roxas as Sora and then that's all done you're like that's when he goes oh Sora Roxas was my nobody that's 40 hours into this fucking game that if you didn't play anything else, you would have no fucking clue other than trying to fill in the blanks yourself. Yeah. Which you should be able to do, but still, that's... It. If you're going to have a convoluted plot, that's fine, but you have to be good at sort of delivering it. Like, you can't just throw a bunch of shit at the wall and hope it sticks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I... I, I yeah. It's bullshit, man. Yeah, I feel you. Like... I think it does a lot of other things better. Like it introduces a ton of cool characters. Like I think the the organization thirteen characters, other than a couple of them looking way too similar to each other, um, are all really interesting characters, right? I, I think they they do a good job of bringing in this other uh, that sort of power ramp of villainy that you sort of have to do in your ever ramping epic fantasy, right? If you beat the ultimate evil, what's next? There has to be another ultimate evil right so i think they do a good job with that and i think they do it as well a job they can with sort of introducing the um disney content right so we get more than just it's just a world so i mean you get stuff the place like tron where it's in another world you get um timeless river like you, they, they do some more interesting things there again not not entirely perfect i think Kingdom Hearts is kind of slowed down or kind of bogged down with with a lot of the Disney content sometimes. But I felt like most of that was better executed better than than it was in the first game. And yet they're trying to bring in all this original story, right? Like this is where they're going to start filling in all this all this big world that they've 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 thought up or imagined or drawn out or wrote for and they they do a terrible job of making me interested in it. Terrible job. Well, exactly. They have all this interesting content, but they they shy away from it in favor of bullshit, or they hide it until the very end, where they, they rush to kind of throw it all at you at the same time, as opposed to spreading it out so that it's digestible. 
And I don't know. Like, I feel like I would care more about a plot that was centered around, like, Sora and Riku kicking ass as opposed to, like, going around looking for random bullshit for no fucking reason. So if if you want to take and look at the original plot content, right? Like, you have this concept. You have these friends that come from this this Destiny Isles place. You have Riku, Kairi, and Sora, right? And um, the idea, I mean, we don't know yet, but the implication always feel like there's something special about Destiny Isles, right? I mean, you haven't figured it out yet. It could be out there in lore, but I haven't figured it out yet playing the games but the fact it's that, apparently where ansem came from too or some shit okay so we have this 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 um this place where these three friends are set off on this 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 uh multiversal sort of adventure right they're they're traversing across these multiple dimensions because like that's that's the only way to to view how this has got to work is they're you know traveling dimensions here and you have the if you're talking about like light dark and heart are all three separate or whatever you have the the idea that that these childhood rivals and friends riku are traversing like the same journey but on two sides of the corn right with like riku doing this darkness thing and sora doing this light thing but they always keep coming back because they're they're doing this this idea that uh nothing in all these worlds are inherently evil it's just the people that use them and how it's used like that's their concept they're going with for for darkness right is darkness isn't inherently evil it's just the people that that use it and how they use it and in fact most of these people are using the pure power of light to do evil things in terms of their sort of they want to use kingdom hearts for whatever it's it's um they want to use it for right as the pure power out of light they want to use that to do nefarious things so there's sort of an interesting idea there and the and then the backdrop is that you get at the end of this with the like the the wasteland of this this keyblade wars that you hear mention of right it's like oh shit so now what i thought was this special thing this keyblade turns out we were on the back half of a history in which there were so many of these things that the users went into war over in a in a place where there's these all these dimensions that can be accessed through these key-shaped swords that unlock dimensional pathways right if you want to look at the generic like sort of break it down to a like a like a on paper sort of idea rip the disney ip i think that stuff can be interesting right like the idea of like a key shape dimensional door opening sword fuck yeah like that sounds that's a cool fantasy idea right why wouldn't you want to tell me that story and the i think the disney ip being attached or not attached is irrelevant because that's just how they're filling in these other worlds that you are there to visit to, to make the the dimensions more robust they bring in with these ips it adds a bit of goofiness and cheesiness for sure and is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people but outside of that like the stuff that should be bringing you around that stuff or through that stuff there should be the 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 meat with that potatoes they just fucking butcher it man they just don't know how to tell that story like and i don't know why they don't know how to tell that story because i don't think it's should be that hard of a story to tell if you follow me like i i I agree and it's it's weird because they're 
they're referencing so many other stories in their game that they could, worst case, take a little bit from each of them and make something out of it, as opposed to just fucking throwing something at the wall and seeing if it sticks there. It's just like they have such. I think the idea of Sora and Riku as a as a core concept is fine. Like it's. I mean, it's a little cheesy, right? It's a little cliche, like uh, bros being bros will be bros, right? I mean, but they just, I don't know, man. It has to do, like, so much of, like, the backstory and stuff is felt out in those stupid answer reports, which you get out of fucking order, right? Like, so it's not even like you're slowly revealing this back story content to understand what's happening you're revealing it in the wrong order so legitimately like if you read them as you unlock them instead of waiting till you have them all and reading them all like you'll get stuff like what the fuck is this it it, it makes no sense in the context of the information in which you're given like do not play those sort of meta games with your plot i don't think you should make your audience puzzle that shit out i think like that alienates more people than it that it endears because there are people out there that's like oh yeah no you gotta figure it out man it was a nice little mystery i'm into it or whatever and have your little cult following but you're not gonna get uh a massively successful game doing that and there's a reason because you're gonna confuse people and when people feel confused and dumb they don't want to play your game man like and delivering the information that way is forgettable like in yeah. the first game, I forgot about oh, I forgot all about the fucking anthem report, anthem reports because I didn't read them right away. And when you mentioned all this plot shit being in the anthem reports, I was like, hmm, fuck, I guess I should have read them. Same thing for this game. Like you kill a boss and it's like, oh, you got secret answer report twelve. Wonderful. I read it. I'll read it eventually. It's a probably. bad way to do business. You should not. You, there's so much story there you could tell me on screen, but you'd rather make me read it. Fuck that. Like, cause imagine for every three Disney worlds you went to, you went to a world that is wholly original. Like, cause I mean, how many do we get? We get Twilight Town, we get um, Hollow Bastion, Hollow Bastion, which is a repeat, and you get the world that never was. Those three worlds, way more interesting than the fucking Disney ones. But they they try and pack so much story into those three worlds, like. I think it adds to the confusion because you're like, wait, what? What part of Hollow Bastion did that happen? When did that happen in Hollow Bastion? Like, imagine if those that information was revealed to you on yet another um, planet. Like, and only planets we've ever gotten or worlds that we've gotten that are wholly original are all towns and cities. Like, give me something like, give me something else, man. Yeah, you know. Like, that's why I think Hollow Bastion in the first one, um, or no, the, um, shit, Twilight Town? End of, end of, end, the End of uh, Worlds was way yeah. cool, because it was this weird, esoteric thing that was wholly original, and also think Traverse Town's way cooler than Twilight Town, by the way. So, yeah, I definitely agree. So. I was, it's a shame they didn't bring it back. No, I think Traverse Town, Traverse Town would have been way better. Uh, I think, I mean, I guess it's cool that we go back to Hollow Bastion and we see what they're trying to do there, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if Traverse Town was cooler, but story, I man. Like they could have had Traverse Town as like an endgame bonus 
boss arena thing or something. They could have. They could have. Um, so I guess story, man. I don't know. I'm giving it a two point five because yeah, I'm giving it. What I'm the giving fuck it a, ever. I'm giving it a three. Like I. I don't even know, man. I think I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit with you on the two point five because I think what's there is kind of cool. Like the concepts there are cool and they can be gratifying. I just think the presentation of it there is just so god awful. It's it's got to be one of the worst. Like aside from something that's just translated wrong, like this is just it just comes across so terrible, man. Like I don't know, not into it. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see, 2.5 from both of us on story. Next music break is yours. What is it and why? Um, I picked Sinister Shadows, which is the theme you hear when you're doing that uh, Thousand Heartless fight at Hollow Bastion in the middle of the game. Which um, I would like to point out that that's a cool thing they do in this game where they give you like essentially this innumerable waves of Heartless to fight with your new ultimate Super Saiyan floaty abilities. It's fun. Yeah, it's definitely really fun. Um, you also hear it a couple times later on in certain boss fights, I believe. Okay. Uh, I like. I really like the strings in it, and it sounds really somber. Um, it, uh, I don't know, it's just uh, it really tugs something in me, and I enjoy it. Alright, so when we get back, we will talk about visuals. First, we're going to listen to Sinister Shadows. enough of uh sinister shadows i think i can i can see what you're saying uh i don't know if i'd go somber but it's definitely kind of like a like a longing kind of to it i don't know i like it well i guess i thought it was a uh, like it's one of those you're up against um almost um, fuck it's an i word but like odds that are pretty bad like a futility <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah it's like almost like a futile fight it feels like because there's just at that point in the game, there's like fucking hundreds of thousands of Heartless. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the somberness I get, I got from it was that it almost felt like it was uh, an unimitable battle. Okay. Is what they were going for. Okay, I can see that. Um, but we'll get more into the, I think, how that's reflective of the OST in general when uh, we get to music. But right now we're talking about visuals. Uh, so... I think uh, the character designs are pretty cool. I was less 
I guess the nobodies, like, they all have this the the theme. I think Heartless just in general have a better variety about their appearance than nobodies do. I feel like nobodies all kind of fit into that uh sinewy uh gray aesthetic, like it, other than the um the berserkers do. It's like a like a gray and they use a lot of pale purple almost. Yeah, okay. I mean I don't I don't have anything I don't think there's I just think it's less interesting than the because we get a lot of really big, interesting, like boss heartless when you think about it, right? Like we get like these big with all these different colors in them. Like they're all inherently like got this black core with the yellow eyes or whatever. We do get a lot of that repeat, but outside of that, the stuff on it is just more varied, right? Nobody's felt kind of eh. Like it's a cool aesthetic. I think the nobody symbol way cooler than the heartless symbol for what it's worth. Um, I think it's kind of funny that the heartless are visually more varied, but they all behave very similarly. Whereas the nobodies are all visually similar, but they have a lot of unique mechanics to them. Like they, they do, but nobodies all come down to reaction commands. Yeah, like heartless. Almost all heartless strategies have to do with your character being somewhere. Like it's positional, it's movement, it's your character doing a thing. Nobody's all felt their all their gimmicks were reaction command based, like down to a T. Like you played the card game, you did the reverse, you did the uh, snipe, you did the learn, you did uh, the berserk when you took the berserker sword from them. Like there was, they were all. They all had a reaction command to defeat them or avoid their abilities. And when it comes down to that, I find that take it or leave it, man. Like it's Yeah. It's 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 I think they're cool for sure. Like and the concepts are there and like they're more um because outside of doing those reaction commands, there's less just kind of like plow through waves of them. So they did they were successful in making them feel more um unique or important than heartless because heartless you can kind of like they succeed in like the heartless are the waves of monsters the waves of just innumerable countless fiends and heartless felt more specific more unique more like this is a, a general or a sergeant commanding an army type thing yeah um even if everything just did come down to hitting triangle at the right time um uh, the worlds looked okay. I th I still think I don't know how I feel about Pirates Pirates of the Caribbean as being a world because that's supposed to be like realism, and I don't think it translates very well. Like I think that's when things are like ah, oh, that's kind of hokey, right? Like because if if cartoonish like characters like Sora shows up in a world that's already like a cartoon, then it, you can kind of meld that style and make it look. Like it works, but it just I don't know, man. Them showing up and fucking, I just don't. I don't like how that that looks. Well, it's definitely a missed opportunity because they took time to make two different costume sets for Halloween Town. Mm -hmm. You get the Halloween costumes, and you get Christmas Town costumes. Mm -hmm. But parts of the Caribbean, they could have had somebody make models of the three characters to be more realistic, like hyper realistic. Not... Like Goofy yeah. could have looked terrifying. Like you know, like. That would have been way cooler. And it, 
it always strikes me as fucking weird as the characters recognize that they are not from their world, but nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody's like, nobody's like, holy fuck, talking duck and some gangly fucking dog thing. What the fuck? And then some kid with big ass, poofy, unrealistic, spiky hair. What is happening here? Hey, what are you, oh, a size 42 shoe? Like, Jesus, what is that? You know? But they don't. So, as far as that goes, I think that's the primary world that didn't really work for me. But, again, when they do their own aesthetic, I think it's it's pretty solid. Like, you know, the Heartless stuff looks good. The, no, like, the, the world that never was. Like, the idea of this hyper-futuristic city that's all sky, skyscrapers and, like, dark and gloom. Like, I'm into that. Like, that looked cool. Like, uh, the, uh, the parts in like that final boss fight where you basically get to this phase where he's just in a giant suit of armor sitting on like a like a steering platform just like not moving but launching projectiles at you is pretty rad like they get scope pretty well i think they do scope fairly well in this game where like there's just some immense things happening um it comes around to that cinematic thing like i think they succeeded a lot in that cinematic nature of stuff but it ultimately detracted from gameplay. But we're here talking like about visuals; they, like it's highly cinematic. They got all the, the all that Disney money, so they had to spend it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, no, I think I'm pretty sure they had to spend the Disney money to to use the Disney characters. Well, no, like maybe Disney. I don't know the backstory, but maybe Disney was like, "Hey, this game sold pretty well; got pretty good reception. Here's some." Maybe we got some relief off the licensing cost or something. Maybe. Who knows? But I think ultimately, I I think it it looks good. I think the remaster looks good, too. So, I mean, I got nothing wrong with the visuals. I mean... Yeah. I am very pleased with the upgraded fidelity of everything, as mm -hmm. opposed to Kingdom Hearts 1. Even though they use a lot of the same weird shit, where they'll have, like, uh, fixed um, texture faces... Yeah, and some cut scenes, and, and when you zoom in, eyeball, they, yeah. they got that fool in. Like everything is uh, moving properly. Like they have facial animations, and yeah. then it'll go to another scene where they're slightly further away, and mm-hmm. they're fucking back to that flat face texture shit. Well, it's it's the same thing where there's some characters like they have actual eyes, modeled eyes, and then others have just the textured eyes for no. There's no. What's well, all the time? Either like Sora's got modeled eyes, and but that's only sometimes. Depending on what world yep. he's in, he's got flat texture face. Yep. Too. So there is some funkiness. So, but I'd, I'd score visuals like a four, four and a half. I give it a four and a half. I'm like, it looks good. It it's looks definitely good. stylish. It looked good on the on the PS2, and looks good here. So, no yeah. problems here. I think the design's fine. What do you score it? I'll give it a four and a half as well. All right. Now we talk about music. Mm, and actually, part of the game again. I have, I have, I have things to say about this OST. Like again, Schumer, hella talented, right? And I think Sanctuary is a much better uh, like pop song choice than uh, Simple and Clean or whatever it is. Um, I think Sanctuary's it's okay. Like if you're into the the J-pop sort of thing. Um. But I think uh, there is more sameness to this OST than the first one because um, more of the stuff that's not based on like a um, like a world, like a specific 
Disney IP, there's a lot more broody kind of stuff happening. And I guess that it, it's reflective of the story, right? Because, like, you have this secret organization and everything's supposed to be all dark and sinister. Um, there's there, there falls a little more sameness there. But that's really the only negative thing I have to say because uh, there's a lot more of the emotion in the themes that I think um, is portrayed in, in this um, OST. Particularly my next choice, um, which we'll get to in a minute, um, Organization 13's theme. Have you listened to it recently? Yes. Okay, so... When you're playing the game, Organization 13, they're these maniacal sort of, they're out to do this thing. And you, but when you listen to the theme and you understand their story, they become much more sympathetic characters than the game is able to do. Because the game, they try and make them sympathetic characters with the, oh, they can't feel things and they're, they're missing their hearts and all these things. But again, back to the, our story discussion, they do such a poor job of uh, making me feel that through dialogue but then I listen to their theme and I understand it like somehow the composer managed to tell me that story when whoever wrote the dialogue couldn't you understand what I'm saying? yes um, because when we get to it just as a as, this is an example of everything as a whole like it is it's so longing and sad like this is a theme for an evil organization, but their theme is is just it's melancholy because they can't they they have this longing to be whole, but the unfortunately the only way they've discovered to do that is by following Zeohorts um, or Zemnus and this this foolish um, sort of mission because. Uh, you know, like not. A, I don't think every member of Organization Thirteen like is made to be a, a dick. Well, there's that, and also they all have the knowledge that they're not supposed to exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so um, there's there's the music. Go ahead. The music's fucking top notch. My probably my favorite thing about it is I can't remember if they did it too much in the first one, but uh, I love when games have a seamless battle system and they they meld the overworld or the, the world theme or whatever, wherever location you're at theme in with the battle music in a way so it's like a seamless yeah. transition and it just it sounds it, it has to do with like, an arrangement i believe because i think the actual notes and the what it hits in most cases is the same but say you're on uh Mulan's world it's going to use more oriental arrangement to it right so it yeah. feels more in place and i agree it's 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 pretty pretty balling the first time i ever heard something like this was when i was playing the dot hack series the first okay. four and ever since i've been every time i hear it this uh this type of situation with the music in the game and they do it right it's a plus for me fucking a plus because so. it is something that's easy to do like overtly and poorly you know, yeah. So, so I'm with you. No, that's that's definitely that's definitely it. But uh, the, I mean, the OST is great. It's not one that the whole OST would end up like in my 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 playlist rotation. Like, there's definitely stuff 
that that is superior and again it's for it's mostly the themes they use like the so like the character themes so like uh sora riku kairi uh they all have these amazing sort of themes and if you want a really good piece to listen to when it's all said and done i didn't choose it for this because in order to appreciate it you got to listen to the whole seven minutes of it is the uh credit roll um I forget what it's called. It's got, a, it's got an Italian name on it. Uh, oh, yeah. I know what about. Like, Nazza de Pietzi or some it's shit. It's like uh, Fascia something, something, something. Um, yeah. Whatever that one is. You should really listen to it because it's one of those um, deals where the composer takes these big character themes and these big themes and sort of intertwines them into one long sort of piece but it's it's more flowing so think like think like the star wars theme where they goes through each of the um the char- little character vignettes in the middle of the the main song this does that for the closing credits um takes little pieces from the themes and sort of weaves it into this much grander piece so um i think it's very skillfully done uh i think it's great but again, it's not something that I could sample here because again, you need to listen to all seven minutes of it to sort of get get um, why I think it's so beautiful. It's always funny to me that we always we have such like I guess different music tastes because mm-hmm. none of the like the themes for characters are on my rotation for this, but all of the organization thirteen themed music is like the thirteenth struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, the darkness of the unknown, uh, which is the the song I picked uh, for my next one, uh, like Sinister Showdown well, or whatever. And it's just because different things like affect us differently. I guess like we we're looking for different things like evoke certain emotion, or uh, there should be there maybe there's just different emotions we look for when we're listening to music as well. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're yeah. listening to something, you could be looking to get something different out of it than I'm looking to get out of it. Um, so typically, like, if a song makes me feel anxious or, um, like, even something that would give me a lot of... I don't listen to a lot of, like, stuff that would give me some, like, a frenetic sort of energy. So, and that's what... I mean, a lot of battle themes will do that, right? Like, that's the point, is to, to, to encourage this sort of frenetic energy. And I don't, I don't think... Uh, I don't fault them in any way for that. It's just not something I go to listen to on the regular, you know? Like, that's not what I go to music for. I'm not that person that goes to music to be built up. Like for me, I can do that naturally. I need music to for the reverse. <laughs> like I need to come back down. You know what I'm saying? Well, everything has got its place. Like for me personally, I derive a lot of my emotion from listening to different types of music. Sure. And uh, so I do like a lot of the the more gloomy things because I don't like feeling sad. I guess normally, but I guess the this type of music connects me to that kind of emotion, even if it's uh, just kind of on the fringe. But I mean, no, the 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 mu- the music in this OST is. I think the word we're looking for is 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 really emotionally expressive. You know, yeah. like it's very expressive stuff. Um, and I don't think that's something that that's everybody's cup of tea because uh, it's it's not everybody's looking for that that colorful in your face sort of um, expressive sound. But in a in a I think I think it's it's all well, remarkably well done and and amazing here. So, but um, 
I got, I got. Um, you got anything else to add about the OST before we score it? Nah, I'm giving it a five. So yeah, I'm giving it a five as well. Um, love it, love it to death. Um, again, Sanctuary is way better than than uh, Simple and Clean or whatever bullshit that was. But uh, I've already introduced it. I'm going to listen to we're going to listen to Organization 13's theme. I'm going to let the whole minute and a half play because I, I think it's just it's like hauntingly beautiful and it uh, portrays a story element to the Organization 13 that the game and its dialogue and all that stuff fails to do entirely. So uh, here we go. organization 13 sorry if that uh put anybody asleep while they're driving but i definitely i think i I don't know i think the the solo sort of piano going on there is uh special so uh definitely uh definitely gives you that feeling you're talking about yeah like you it gives you a more fundamental understanding of who those characters are um better than the dialogue does so uh let's talk about overall experience so, like I say every time, for me, overall experience is expectations versus reality type thing. And prior to this playthrough, uh, I would have said Kingdom Hearts 2 is a better game than Kingdom Hearts 1. Because this just seems like a common consensus where everybody's like, ah, two's, two's better, you know, play 2. And I don't know if I feel that way, man. And I don't think it has anything to do with the amount of Kingdom Hearts we're playing. I I just think that something is lost in translation for me from 1 to 2. I don't know whether it's because 1 isn't trying to build on something it's already built upon. It's just all making everything up fresh as it goes. And there's a simplicity to it. There's a There's a cleanness to it. Um... There's just something going on there that uh, is inherently, I don't know, more fun, I guess. Not that That's it. not that Kingdom Hearts Two is not fun because it is, but it's just more mindless in its in its execution of such. Well, even in the considering the plot, the characters' motivations are more straightforward and they're obvious, mm-hmm. and so they're so it's much easier to follow. Like you have the whole. Riku versus Sora thing going on. They're both trying to save Kairi their own way, mm-hmm. and you're kind of get, 
going through that. Whereas in this, it's you've got three fronts. You got Sora trying to do Riku and Kairi. You've got uh, Maleficent doing heartless shit, and you've got exactly training exactly. You've got the organization doing their shit. And none of it's really above board. It's all hidden beneath everything else. So it's all coded in this this uh this veil of mystique and ominous and everybody's throwing these vague, dark shit around and no there's no answers for anything and you you wrap it all up at the end and they try and answer as many questions as possible and Honestly, when you're done this fucking train tonight, when I'm like, <clears throat> when you're done, they sort of do wrap everything up nicely. Like if if it ended when the credits rolled, like there would still be some stuff you didn't understand. There's still some holes, but it feels like a culmination of that journey, right? But then they throw at you the. Uh, the letter from Mickey that you got to go do something, which is okay. That's like, oh, cliffhanger. Oh, we're opening ourselves up to keep making these games. But then you get the fucking trailer for Birth by Sleep, which just throw. It's like throwing a wrench into a fucking coolant fan. Okay, like it's just like ting 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 ting. Just ruins your whole perception of like the entire world, right? Because then you just don't. You're back to not knowing anything. It's the possibly the worst teaser trailer I've ever experienced at the end of a game ever. Like, it doesn't make me feel, like, excited for the next thing. Even the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is a badass trailer, right? But what the fuck? Like, because now I feel like I finally got everything in my world, like, together. Nope. Now I don't understand a thing again. It's all back well, to fucking part. zero within ten minutes. Worst part for me is the evolution of the Keyblade, where it starts off as Sora special. He's the only Keyblade wielder. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. Riku and King Mickey have one, but those are the only three that exist. Okay, fine. Now all of a sudden, there's fucking thousands of them. Well, oh. I accepted the fact. Like, uh, I didn't even think like Riku's was technically a Keyblade. Like, he's found something because it doesn't even look like Keyblade. It's like a fin, evil eyeball thing. He had the one in Kingdom Hearts One that he took from you. He takes it from you. No, he, he it gets taken back, but uh, there's the one that gets made out of the six uh, hearts of the chicks because they don't have Kyrie's heart yet, so it's not all seven. Yeah, but it doesn't look like a Keyblade, does it? It's the it's the it Finn does. sword, right? Because no, I don't remember him like holding anything that looked like a Keyblade until it looks like a Keyblade, and then Sora destroys it by stabbing himself with it <sighs> and unlocking Kyrie. I did, I oh, never fucking... thought that was a separate Keyblade. See, we're back to the problem. We're back to the fucking problem. Uh, yeah, it's this one. Hold on, let me link it to you. Oh shit! Here we go. Doing it live. Doing it live. Copy. Link oh, I, I, you, if you're sending it to me in OBS, I'm not gonna be able to open it. In Discord. That's what I meant. Discord. I'm not gonna be able oh. to open it because that would close out your video window. Does it? Okay. Put it in the dock. Never mind. All right. <laughs> but so I don't know I felt I came overall I just not the I, bottom 
I don't know if I, uh, let's see. It's called Keyblade of Heart or some shit. Okay, 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 okay. Alright, I guess I see that. Is that is that the second I guess is that the second keyblade that Sora is technically summoning when he goes into a um a form? Uh maybe it's just got a different keychain on it to change the way it looks, because it's whatever it would it's whatever Roxas has. Because he gets the two keyblades first. And presumably because uh, Sora uses it to unlock his hearts and Kyrie's heart. So I don't see why it wouldn't be the same one that Roxas would have access to because it was technically used to release his heart. Or the fuck ever. So sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Fuck me. This is the problem. This is why... Alright, so let's just look at it from uh, even just a gameplay standpoint. Like, you add all these extra systems, but I don't think it makes it any more compelling. Because then, instead of locking something, you're in, like something like Glide, right? In the first one, you get just through progressing through the game. It's like unlocking a new tool in platforming games or, or a new technique in platforming games. So now you can go back and revisit other abilities. In Kingdom Hearts 2, like, you could beat the game without ever unlocking Glide. You could technically beat the game without ever unlocking Final Form. And, like, there's something about, like, there's something that's just kind of, like, missed that if you don't start, like, fully leveling these forms, which the first couple times you run into Anti-Form, you might say, hey, I, I can't just keep using these. So the game's telling you not to use them that often, right? So you might not ever level any of them far enough to realize that you get, that's how you get additional movement abilities. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. There's just a convoluted nature there that doesn't really add any any anything of substance to the game. Because sometimes you can add complexity to a game and add substance, right? You can add sort of like a like a tactical or a, or a, um, just choices and this stuff that you can add. Like you can add depth. This just adds nothing. It's it's like fucking whipped cream on top of like vanilla ice cream. Like, you're not really adding anything by putting whipped cream on vanilla ice cream. I don't think. Like, it's it's a little better. It's a little sweeter. I mean, there's, there's stuff there, but the bulk of what you're getting is still fucking vanilla ice cream, man. Like, I'd rather just have more vanilla ice cream. So, um, maybe it was a bad metaphor. I'm not great at those. But it's just... <laughs> it's just uh, what? I'm just gonna nod and... Uh, just, just smile and smile. wave, Foyle. Smile and wave. Um, no, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, man. I think there's something just not, now here, I still, I still have a fondness for Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, I just think I would go back and play more Kingdom Hearts 1 before I played 2 again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I would. I think there's more to do in Kingdom Hearts 2, but it's. It's almost too much I guess. to do. Whereas in Kingdom Hearts 1, there's stuff to do, but once you're done with the place, you're done with the place. You don't have to fight through a bunch of different systems to learn abilities to go back to places to do your collectathon crap. And and I think the curves on leveling those forms is just so 
it's so high that the only way to do it is to find like the best possible monotonous grinding spot to do it like every form has the one place that you could the, the best way to do it is just to go to the one place and repeat the one fucking screen over and over again until you die see until you get anti-form and you're like fuck it i lost all my drive i guess i'm gonna go continue playing the game yeah so i mean um yeah i mean it, it just overall i still had fun because i still you know played a lot of it i played it pretty fast like it, it wasn't like a it wasn't one of those games where i just didn't want to play it or i was unenthused to play it like i was having fun but since i have beat it for a while you know, I'm not. It's not like I beat it yesterday, and we're doing the recording on it. Repeat it this morning. Like we've done, I've done for the show many times. I've actually had a couple weeks to sit and digest on this, and I'm coming out of it like, eh. Like I think I had a better experience playing one, and uh, I think I look at it now that we've played so many more RPGs, and we look forward to playing so many more RPGs like it's not I guess like I can I can look at it and be like eh not as not as exciting as it as it I guess once used to be like it used to be like a a thing I would I would defend um maybe not vehemently like I was never like a oh my god kingdom hearts kind of guy but now I'm kind of like, ah, man, take it or leave it. It's, I think it's, it's, time out. I still think it should be played. Sorry about the dogs downstairs. Wife just got home. Uh, I still think it should be played. And I still think people are too hard on it. I really do. Because I think it's uh, above average game. I just think it's slightly above average. It's not, it's not the end all be all. So overall experience for me is going to be a 3.5. Where you had an overall experience, Nick. I'm at, um, I haven't played, I didn't play this, and I didn't play, just like I didn't play Kingdom Hearts 1 or Chain of Memories since they were, they came out. Okay. So it's been a long fucking time, like over 10 years. Yeah, that's a long um, time. And I was really excited to play this over, after going off of Kingdom Hearts 1, but going through Chain of Memories must have broke something in me. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine Because... So. Like, I got into this, and I was going pretty hard on it for, like, 12, 13 hours. It also probably doesn't help that I've been playing Epic 7 a lot. Yeah, that uh, But there'll be days when I'd come home from work, and I'd be like, all right, I got, like, an hour. I can do some gaming. I guess I'm just going to push through some Epic 7 and call it a night. Um, so I really didn't. And then, like, Nicole wants to play fucking Fallout and shit, so... There was never, there's not really any drive for me to go and keep playing it like there was when I was playing Kingdom Hearts One. Um, now, do is, oh. I mean, I guess the, for you that that's that's relevant to the burnout. I mean, because to me, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like it was a burnout thing. It was just a time thing. We also really didn't play Chain of Memories, so yeah. you didn't, you went straight from that to this, and you got to play some, some. You got to play a good game <laughs> between the two, uh, which. I'm not saying I'm not saying this is a bad game. I think it's really, really and the first twelve hours I played, I was really hyped about it. I was really enjoying it. Um, but once I got, I guess, over the hype, I was kind of, I was just kind of playing it. 
I guess if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I still think it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't been, I guess, steered off course by those other things that I mentioned, I probably would have beaten it a few weeks ago. I would have done the review two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, shit happened. And uh, I guess I'll give it a three for overall. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe 3.5 because the soundtrack's fucking amazing i mean i'm with you it's just and like i think i think we come at it from just different different plays because like you haven't played it you know in 10 years and i i say i probably beat it shortly before we started this show which again has been a few years but four uh, years now so i mean it was something that i would have i would have ranked a lot higher a long time ago right yeah like because I hadn't played enough to say uh, this is bullshit. What you're doing to me is bullshit. Okay, that and when I was younger, I probably enjoyed a little more having a piece together plot than more than I would have na- I do now. Um, it's just those taste change kind of thing. Um, that it just I don't know, man. Like just sitting back on it for two weeks because I did beat it two weeks ago, uh, and just sitting on it, it's like ah, man, I could have not did that and been fine like I didn't it didn't add anything um and that's probably because I have played it more than a few times but uh just I don't know man like do you feel it do you you're it's strictly because you're burn on the on the chain of memories well I don't think it was burnout so much for me like I said because I when I first was playing this I was fucking you're ready for it. on it yeah I was ready for it I was so fucking ready for it after chain of memories um, but other things came along and they just kind of took precedence. And then by the time I got back to it, the spark was gone. Okay. That I had, like, I guess whatever drive I had for it was. And so the last couple of days I've been playing it, I've still been enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't, haven't, I'm not having a bad time playing it. It's just, I would probably re- be having more fun playing something else. I think it also, it has this, this, thing about it right so when you're you're away from it you've taken your your a few years away from it it's been a while since you played it you remember the peaks right where you because it's got some really high highs where it's super yeah, cinema, super well, super super cinematic uh combat super fluid you know like you're you're doing a lot of you know essentially simple button mashing but there's there's some complexity to be had to do other things and you're just killing these waves of enemies there's there's a lot of excitement there right that could build that spark up to play it again but then you sit down to play it and the first thing you get hit with is i I can't think of a single person that likes kingdom hearts 2 that goes and sits back down to play it again and goes oh yeah i'm super excited to do all this roxas shit again you know what i'm saying like it feels like an extended tutorial that's how bad it is that's how long it takes it takes way too fucking long and then and then you remember like oh wait what happened again uh it's all right we'll just get we'll just get to the fun part we'll get to the fun part and you get to the fun part and then you're like okay all right i've done this stuff all right i'm gonna do that and then i gotta go back to okay all right um it could have been about half as long I, I think agree. that might be it. 
I also think that they add, they add, they up until like the end of the game, they're giving you new systems still, sort of like new forms and everything. Sure, but there's new forms, yeah. It's it's not it's not, like you don't you don't use it enough to yeah, like you don't the get addition. the like so like the the cool stuff that comes from that is the additional movement stuff, right? So like fucking double jump or high jump or glide, right? Like. All that's the fun stuff, air quotes, that comes from those forms, but you have to then grind the forms to get the things, and grind it pretty far to get it to a, a point in which it's usable for anything. Yeah. Like, there's no point in having glide till you got glide three or four or whatever the max is. There's no point in having high jump until you get it all the way up, you know? Like, it... It's also... I At least personally, I felt like you were almost forced to save drives for oh shit moments so they make the gameplay a little bit more enjoyable because it becomes much more cinematic mm-hmm. but you don't get the chance to use it enough to kind of balance that out and you also get punished for using it too much because mm-hmm. you have if you use a form doesn't matter if you use the full bar or not as soon as the uh it, or if you revert you lose your whole thing if you you have to let it drain out unless you leave the map, uh, come back in, you don't, and it drains pretty quickly, uh, so you get maybe one or two zones that you get to use a, the drive-in, and then you're stuck trying to level it back up, or the fill the bar back up again, and it's, it, I understand it's resource management, but it's not fun to do that. And it, it, it you don't get nearly as fun and many fun skills to equip either. Like you think about one, you get all those reaction commands you can equip and do various things here. Like it all felt like just like why, like yeah. more block interrupt, more just like more lots aerial, of finishers, lots of fi- so many finishers, and it's just like ah, like there wasn't it. It didn't feel as as interesting. There weren't as many interesting choices. Plus, at the end, if you're doing all this farming and extra shit, you end up with so much fucking AP, you can just about equip every fucking thing. So, what does it matter? Yeah. So, yeah, man. Uh, let's move on to the next one is replayability and bonus content. Like, uh, how you likely replay it? How long would you stick around in endgame? Um, I mean... Well, I guess I'll start. Replayability, ahead. I give it a one. Yeah? Unless... I mean, there's a lot of extra stuff would... to do, man. Yes, there's extra stuff to do, but you can do everything in one playthrough, which is like my big thing. And if you try to replay it for the story, you're better off reading a synopsis. Yeah. Or at least a, a text file of describing what the fuck is going on, as opposed to having to play through it again. Mm-hmm. Unless you really, really like playing a game that mostly plays itself. If you just press X a lot. Um, and for bonus content, there, I don't like in the original version, I don't remember being that much. But this, they've well, you fucking got, couple, got you got a couple balls to the wall uh, with yeah. bonus content. The original version, you had what Sephiroth? I think Lingering Will was still there. Um, I don't know. I think that might have been a final mix only edition because I don't I remember mean, fighting Lingering Will. Well, you have to get the good. You have to get the good ending, and then you have to go back to. Um, maybe it is because of where it's at. You get there's a fucking uh, portal that opens up in Disney Castle, so that seems like a weird place to have it. So that might be it. That might be. I just all I remember from the first one is you do Sephiroth and then you do the Paradox Cups if you yeah. save that for last. Yeah, so oh, 
I mean, I'm with you. Like, even the stuff they added is mostly just a grind fest. Like, I don't think... Because a lot of people are like, oh, they added the uh, Organization 13 fights. I didn't think they were that interesting, really. Like, they had some pretty uh, strong gimmicks to them. But uh, they can all be... You can all you can grind through them all by grinding synthesis materials and power-ups. So... If you're really struggling with a strat, then you can just go get a bunch more strength boosts or defense boosts or whatever you think you need to make it inconsequential. Yeah. So, um... I just think the like the endgame content was done better in Kingdom Hearts 1. Even the was. additional stuff? Like, because they got the Mushroom 13 dudes here, and that's it, cool. They're all, like, little puzzles, but I would rather go back and fight... The special like, Heartless... Having... Yeah, the special heartless were way cool. Like the the rare spawn heartless. While it was more frustrating to get them to spawn and get the things you needed, they felt more interesting because they were like mini bosses. You were going to do mini bosses, and they had, again, they did bosses better. So just bleh. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm gonna give replayability a two. With the only, uh, I don't know if I'd go one, but I'm gonna give it a two. You know, I'm always pretty hot on replayability anyway, so yeah. whatever. So, um, the last musical break is yours. What is it and why? Um, it is Darkness of the Unknown, which is the final boss music, if I'm not mistaken. Word. And uh, I think it's pretty suitably epic. All right. So we're going to listen to this for a couple minutes, and then we come back, we'll close this bad boy out. Discord questions. Uh, so when I asked for questions this time in Discord, it got a little out of hand. Um, it's mostly just like, are we are we burnt out on Kingdom Hearts yet? Why are we playing shit games? How many people do you think we stopped listening to the show because we started this fucking Kingdom Hearts game thing? Uh, it's 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 whatever, guys. Like I know you guys aren't fans, uh, but I really do think most of you should give it another shot. Like, uh, if you're really not into it, you're not into it. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I think Kuja had asked what our favorite Keyblade was. I liked the, uh, I liked having Auron's sword as a Keyblade. That was kind of cool. It had, it had a useful ability, too, because you, all the fucking reaction commands you gotta do in this yeah, game. Yeah, reaction boost is pretty useful. Um, 
But that's as far as uh, community questions and comments we got. Uh, yeah, I don't think I really have it. Now, I did want to ask... say... What, go ahead. I am pretty... I've never played Birth by Sleep or any of the other ones we're going to play, so I am tentatively excited. Not Maybe maybe that's not the right word, but, you know, like I'm so, hesitantly excited for them. So far, like I'm, a, I'm about five or six hours into Birth by Sleep already. Um, it's playable. I wouldn't say it's oh as good boy. as is. I wouldn't say it's as good as one or two, but it's different. Like the the um, the command. It's better than Chain of Memories, then. Oh well, I'd rather play Monster Seed than fucking Chain of Memories. Like Chain of Memories is actively makes me upset. Okay, like right. I can think of a million things I'd rather play than Chain of Memories. But uh, or this, I mean, it's not bad. Like it it plays similarly enough so that the changes are confusing. If you understand what I'm saying, like it. Fits a mold, the mold well enough that the stuff over here that they've done differently, it keeps it keeps slipping me up, because I'm so like everything else is so Kingdom Hearts that to have like the changes in the uh, like uh, like triangle is used for something else now, so I keep walking up to chests and casting fucking spells because I'm 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 just I assume that's gonna open the chest, yeah, but it's not. And like you can only pair so many abilities together in these um like sets almost. Not like a deck, but I guess they think I think they call it a deck. But you don't circle through it or anything like that. There's only so many like uh I guess they're combos. I don't know, like you set up a bunch of prede predetermined ones with your spells. It's it's kinda weird. Okay. And awkward, but it's much more playable, um and not it's definitely not bad. Um, and it's it's more um, it's less like one and two in that its story is kind of um, there's less like like loading it all at the end because you have three playable character stories in it right so there's three separate characters that you play through so instead of having a whole game where you're getting a bunch of shit at the end like you play through a segment for each person okay kind of thing um, and there's a an order you should do it in. I don't remember it is off the top of my head, but I think it's um, I want to say it's Terra, uh, the dude that looks like Roxas, and then Aqua, or it might be I know Terra's first. The other two I don't know off the top of my head, but look okay. it up before you select your first character. Um, because there's legitimate story moments I think you can spoil by doing them out of order. Love when that happens. That's weird. But you do you. Um, so it's like a shittier version of Swigget and 3D's point of view system. Yeah, which was already kind of shitty. No, this would be better because, like, I think Swigget and 3D's point of view system is kind of shitty. Um, well, I meant in that you can have, you experience similar events, like, the oh, same events. No, they're not the same events. But... They're, they're not the same events from different points of view. They're, they're oh, different okay. events. Um, for the most part, I think there's there's definitely some overlap, but um, for the most part, they're individual stories. Got it. But there is like a chronological order of things that is happening. So like, there's dialogue that'll happen in say um, Aqua's story that would spoil something that happens in Tara's story. Okay. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean now. So um, there's that. Uh, but I was gonna bring up. Like I didn't know if you wanted to try and get something else in between um, 
Kingdom Hearts 2 and Birth by Sleep or between Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop or where you're at. Well, what did you have in mind? I'm just... Like some indie game thing or... I'm just asking you, man. Like, I don't... I don't. I just know you... Like, you, you're you're in the cycle, so I'm trying to help you kind of maybe break it a little bit. And I know everybody would like to hear us talk about something other than Kingdom Hearts for once. Well, uh, we got, what, one month until Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out? Yeah, a month and a half. And so that means two more reviews... At max, three more reviews before then? Yeah. So, I mean, you could probably fit something in there. I'm not sure what it would be. I think you have the next pick anyway, because I picked the 8-bit adventures the last. Um, let's see. Blaine sent me a recommendation. Let's see if I can pull that up, what it is. Oh, he recommended a Game Gear game. It says 13-ish hours, Defenders of Oasis. But um, we could do something, and we could do that. We could do... We could do... Uh, Evo Land. We could do... Um, I don't know, what's another short one? Man. Uh, let me see. Let me look something up real quick. How long to be? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, I'm game for popping something in between these, so you just let me know what we're playing, and I'll make sure we get it. Yeah, well, we'll um. We'll just get a skith on here and review Epic Seven every day. That's what we'll do. Yes, that'll make everybody happy. (laughs) Uh, You know what's funny about the Epic Seven thing? Like my brother was over here and uh, I had it up. He because he play he's been playing the like basically the Marvel Gacha game for like two years now. Okay. He's like, like, what's this? And I was explaining to him. I think he's gonna start playing it too. Oh Oh, shit! It's like everybody's playing it. We keep this up. We have a whole twenty-five. We have a whole twenty-five member guild. All our own fucking people. That yeah. We can we can fuss at whoever the one person is that does that's not checking in. Pisses me off every day. Right. Like, the twenty fucking. We're always at twenty-four out of twenty-five check-ins. I'm like, who's not doing it? You killing also, me. Also, the people requesting aid for catalysts are kind of pissed me off too. Yeah, because it's just so much easier. Make it a simple. Like I didn't even like putting like the second tier. Uh, runes in there i'm like make it the low one because then you get more more uh everybody gets more resources that way because the number of donations is higher if you do the tier two one you get uh twice as many of the brave coins as the tier one stuff okay and i think they're still prevalent enough like i don't mind donating the tier two stuff because uh i just run uh with the the stupid spirit altar thing two or three times and i'll get it back sometimes i'll get two or three so it's not that big of a deal for me. I prefer that than the catalyst crap, because people sit, there's been like some dude up there with two weeks with the same catalyst that nobody's given it to him. Yeah, I'm like, dude, do anything else to help level up the guild, man. But whatever, I might yeah, this is this is the Epic Seven show. We can talk about it after the show. We can talk about it after the show. Um, <laughs> we could, uh, but yeah, no, um, that's basically it. 
You can... Um, the next game will be Birth by Sleep, though, because we want to even have that done two weeks, right? Sure. So... Um, it's much shorter than all the other ones, right? It's about 30 hours, bro. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, but still. 30 hours, and then uh, Dream Drops, 30 hours, and then Birth by Sleep. Oh, shit. That's second. right. We still got three fucking games. Damn. This, well, the second episode of Birth by Sleep is like less than four hours. Like, it's literally nothing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's super short. I keep trying uh, We also got a... We've never done uh, 358 over 2... And we also never are we gonna do recoded or whatever? Talk about things. I guess we things? can. Like that's up to you, man. I, I guess we could all do that in the same episode. The yeah. the two movie or cinematic ones, and then the Aqua one. Yeah, we can just knock that all out. Like the like that we just call it like the everything else. <laughs> Works for me. Kingdom Hearts, everything else, and then be ready for three. And I think three will probably take long enough that we should be able to get a review in after the everything else episode but before Kingdom Hearts 3 because I have a feeling Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be kind of lengthy probably so we should probably aim to have a few um, short games in there while we're working on that okay so um, we'll do that uh, try and try and mix it up because I think I think everybody just kind of butthurt that uh, um what the fuck? Oh, um, I just think everybody's butthurt because this like they they don't really care for Kingdom Hearts, and that's all we've been talking about for for a couple months now. At least when we did all the Breath of Fire games, we kind of put games in between them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get I get it. Um, but, but they gotta understand if you're listening to this still, it's we started this too late because the third one's coming out. <sighs> fucking next fall. So. If we had done this at the beginning of the year, we would have done Kingdom Hearts 1, a game or two, Kingdom Hearts 2, or where the fuck have you, and it would, it would have been Space 7. I mean, the, the, the God's honest truth of it, like, I don't, I don't expect for the next two games, Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance, for us to put as much effort into as 1 and 2 were. Yeah. Like, because 1 and 2, like, there was a tremendous amount of effort put into beating those games, like... Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop, like, we are going to give our absolute best, but we may sit here and be like, we didn't finish them. Because I don't, I don't think, I personally don't think they, they, they merited, um, going through. So we're just going to get through them, judge them, you know, in, in that way, and then get back to our normal shtick, um, ASAP. Um, but yeah, no, I'll go ahead and say, let's do Evo Land, because it's only like three and a half hours, man. We can knock out Evo Land. And right. um, get that out to Evo Land, and then we is can... Evo Land two out yet? It is, but it's like eighteen, nineteen hours. Like it's oh, an actual damn. full fucking game. Um, so we'll do Worth by Sleep. We'll then we can do Evo Land, and then uh, Dream Drop. Like that'll give it the amount of time from like the two weeks after Birth by Sleep to Evo Land because you can eat, beat Evo Land in a day. Will give yeah. us an idea of like how much effort dream drops going to take because i don't think birth by sleep is going to be that bad for you because i don't i don't at least what i've experienced so far doesn't feel like there's a it's pretty cut and dry like what you're doing from place to place okay much more concise if you ask me at least so far it could open up and i'd be like fuck we're screwed um (laughs) okay 
but that'll give us an idea of what we're gonna do for Dream Drop Distance, because that way we could say, hey, we can even do another review for another short game before we do our Dream Drop review. That way, our Dream Drop review drops like about the same time that uh, Kingdom Hearts Three is releasing, or like two weeks after Kingdom Hearts Two releases, because we can always beat Dream Drop a week or so before we we review it if we have to. Yeah, like I mean, true. we don't have to start on Kingdom Hearts Three as soon as it comes out. I would like to be done with it before March, though, because that's yeah. kind of around season-ending time. It's typically February, March, so that's where okay. I'd like that to be. So we'll play so that we by ear. Um, but we'll try and get some other stuff in there for you guys. Um, yeah. So um, you can visit our home on the web, therpgshow.com. Send us an email, podcast at the RPG Show. Uh, links to Discord uh, and all that kind of stuff is there. If you're feeling generous for the holiday season, we do have a PayPal donate link that helps keep the server up and everything running. Uh, or you can use our Amazon affiliate link. Everything you order through Amazon after clicking that link, we do get a small kickback from that. No extra charge to you. So be sure to use that when you're doing your Christmas shopping or if you're Blaine J buying all these Magic the Gathering cards. So word to you brother um i thought he was trying to sell all this shit whatever <laughs> i i don't know i just he he did that for a while whatever okay. um twitter's at the rpg podcast with the rpg show on facebook um yeah can't really say enough about getting in the discord where um that's where everybody talks that's where everybody's at feels like it just blows my mind there's just as much conversation in there as the in there as there is now like whew but um i guess until next time nick say goodbye everybody all right deuces <laughs>